This is Top Floor episode 101. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 101. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show about 100 million people in the United States battle accessibility issues, representing tens of billions of dollars in spending power. At the same time, businesses aren't always sure what accessibility means to different constituencies, often getting stuck in the back and forth of the legalities of the American Disabilities Act without realizing things like a hotel room's distance to the elevator can make a big difference in a guest's comfort. Enter Elisha Burns, co-founder of the app Friendly Like Me, which allows users to rate the accessibility of public places and is set up for businesses to create their own listings. Today, Elisha and I are going to talk about how her app is going to help businesses make more money and help consumers feel more comfortable in the world. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals and random strangers off the street who have burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Imani. Imani asks, or rather says, I guess, there is a lot of user-generated content out there when it comes to travel, especially now that ChatGPT is writing sometimes only semi-accurate articles How do I know what is trustworthy and what isn't? I thought this would be a good question for you because you are accepting user information into the app as well as business provided data. What do you think? How how do you test for trustworthiness? I believe when you're looking for travel information, you can trust it the most when it comes from the business itself. You can trust it also from the preponderance of reviews, right? Um, When you see people saying the same thing over and over, it's just like, this dress ran small, this dress ran small, right? That's likely to be true as well. But for me, I think I, I rank things in order of authoritativeness in my mind with the source. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. I've heard people talk about, I think TripAdvisor is an example of this, um, talk about creating sort of fraud detection algorithms. Is that real, do you think? Or do you think they just say that to scare people from like hiring a clickbait farm to write a bunch of fake reviews? Do you know what I mean? I think it's both. Those algorithms do exist, but I think really what they're looking for is you have to cross over a tripwire first. You have to more than one review, be using language that's clearly um, out of sync with what a traveler would be saying. 
Got it. So this leads me to your first job in Silicon Valley, which you told me was one that you were completely unqualified for. The way you're talking now sounds like you would be qualified for anything, but how did that happen that your first job was a little bit more than you bargained for? (laughs) Well, you've heard of fake it till you make it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I... I think this is an, an, a great example of that. Um, I certainly am, you know, experienced now and I, I, I have that authority when I speak. I certainly did not when I started. I started looking to go to Silicon Valley. It was the mid to late 90s um, and it was the place to be. And I took a job as a programmer in Silicon Valley when I did not know how to program. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a warm open, right. It was someone I had worked with before. I just figured I would read a book, you know, I mean, you think about the confidence that you had in your youth, right. I mean, oh, it's in a book. I'll get it. And this is before the internet, right. I mean, not before the actual internet, but before we were using the internet. Totally. You know, it sort of puts me in mind of this thing where I see companies, hire for particular systems experience like i know how to use salesforce or whatever you know whatever the thing is and i always seem so dumb to me like anyone can learn any system they need people need to understand the theory behind what they're doing with the system not just how to push the button so i think you made the right choice it, obviously you can figure it out in almost every job you just want a problem solver. You want a problem solver that can speak to other people without insulting them. <laughs> right? Sometimes a rare treat. <laughs> but it's the most important thing is someone who can be a good fit on your team, who turns out to be a leader, who likes to solve problems. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. You ultimately landed at a law firm and spent most of your career in the legal field. You served as a deputy CIO, a chief administrative officer, a chief strategic initiatives officer, which is my favorite title. I love that title for one of the largest law firms in the world. What then led you to exit that career path and create the app that would become Friendly Like Me? I was in an emergency medical situation. Uh, My doctor uh, and the doctors at the nearby emergency room didn't know the weight limit on the CT scanner that I needed for a a critical test. They didn't know if I would fit inside the tube or what they would do if I couldn't. I had a pulmonary embolism. And while I was sitting there in the lobby, while various people came out and evaluated my body and looked at me and tried to decide how they were going to do this. You know, I'm super scared and humiliated. So as this was happening, I decided, you know, I knew this, this is a problem I'm going to solve. I knew I was going to solve this problem. Uh, And this problem, me and others like me have been facing for decades is size accessibility. And, you know, where's the adaptive equipment for people of size? It exists. You can get a, you can get an MRI at a high capacity MRI center, but no one knows where they are. Which restaurants, bars, theaters, gyms, doctor's offices can accommodate people of size. And I'm, 
And I'm thinking, all right, we're going to crowdsource this. It's you know been uh, more difficult than that as we got into it. But with our experiences, uh, we can pay it forward for the person coming behind us. That next person is going to know where that MRI machine is because I was there. And you know, it did not take long as we started to do this to expand the vision to include people with all different kinds of access needs. And when I say access needs, I mean something that is a barrier to their participation. So this is people with disabilities, people of size like myself, sometimes allergies play a role, lots of people with access needs. I love that you are sol- we're solving a problem for yourself, and ultimately discovered that it was a problem that you could help solve for a ton of people. I think that that is probably the kernel of so many of the startups that I've talked to. So every time I hear it, I'm like, yes, that's exactly how we should be doing it. Can you describe the app in a little more detail? What's it for? What can you do with it? And who's sort of the person that should be using it? Friendly Like Me is an app that helps people find accessible places and review those places so that other people can find them. Um, One of our biggest lines of work is that we match make between accessible businesses and the customers who need to find them. And you were not talking specifically about ADA, like we alluded to when we first got started. You're talking about all types of accessibility. So everything from, do I have to go up a flight of stairs to what I said, like how far is the hotel room from the elevator, all of that kind of stuff. Can you say a little bit about how that has, how it's been to gather that information? Because Having come from the hotel business, I know that everyone on the other end of the phone line or however you're contacting them is like, we don't want to get in trouble. Don't sue us. We are ADA compliant. We follow the law. We follow the law. So how do you get them to go a little deeper? It's such a good question. Um, What we like to say is that there's compliant and then there's friendly. Right? And of course, there's compliant and then there's not at all accessible. Right? But... Um, and the difference that you can imagine here is you're compliant if your doorways, you know, are X number of inches, 29 inches or 30 inches. Um, but a power chair, a power wheelchair is much wider than that. So yeah, if you've got somebody rolling in in a, in a regular wheelchair, you're fine. But as soon as somebody with a more complex disability tries to visit you, may or may not be able to get in. And most importantly, they may or may not be able to use the restroom, depending on how it's designed. So what I like to do is I like to talk to people about this from a business standpoint. Everyone I approach without fail immediately starts with, I'm compliant. And that's awesome. You should be. You should be. But that's not what I'm there to find out. I'm there to find out um, in what ways can you accommodate people? And in what ways can you not? And there's often a little trepidation about telling me, well, yeah, but what I, you know, we can't do this. We have a small step or something like that. And what I always like to say is, no, no, what can you tell me? Just tell me. Because what a, what a person who's looking to come wants to know. Let's say that your restroom is not friendly. And, you know, my friend has scheduled her baby shower there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I, because I, because you've told me that I'm unlikely to be able to use the bathroom, I have the confidence now to go 
I have the confidence to go anyway and say, I'm, I'm running by for 30 minutes. And this is something that we see across the board when people do not know what the situation is going to be. And if they can be accommodated, they very often choose to stay home. We need each other and we need to be out. But when you also think about that in terms of the economy, one in three people choosing to stay home if they don't know, that's to me, that's as much motivation as you should need, right? To claim your business, to say, this is what I've got. This is what I don't have. And and to try to promote and appeal to the people who just don't know. Those are customers you're not seeing and you don't even know it. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned claiming the listing. How do businesses get listed or claim their listing? Is it a form they fill out? Do you have to reach out to them or they can reach out to you? It's just like when you go to do it on Yelp, right? You search, you find your business and you you say, claim this listing. This one's mine. And you fill out what equates to almost very similar information as to what's in the user's review, right? This is what I have. Yes, no, yes, no. But then we ask you to tell us what would you say to someone about, you know, the things that are less than ideal? Okay, so your parking lot is on a hill and it's filled with holes and you can't fix it without upgrading the whole building? Okay, what would you say about where I should park? Just tell me. Is it street parking across the way and this is the link to the, you know, the parking app where you can, you know, reserve a spot or whatever? Great. That's wonderful. That's all I needed. There's a crosswalk right there. I'm going to cruise right in. I don't need your parking lot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to help people separate. Um, The government is not coming to get you. All right. Disabled people will tell you, believe me, enforcement of the ADA is not awesome. What you're aiming for is to be welcoming and friendly to as many customers as you can. Because that's going to make you way more money. There's an example that I heard, and I'm probably not going to get the um, term correct, but it has to do with the bumpy edge of a curb that was originally put in place to help wheelchair users know what was happening and um, I guess know that it was the end of the curb. I'm I'm not exactly sure, but it was part of the ADA. And what's happened is that it's also helped people with strollers and people who are pulling carts and people who maybe are taking their kids on a wagon ride, whatever the case may be. So there's also this whole spillover effect that a business may not ever know that not only does it help someone to know about alternative parking that's smooth, because they are a wheelchair user, it helps someone pick out what shoes to wear for the night. Or do you know what I mean? There's such a spillover effect that I think is possible with an app like this, that it's really interesting and exciting to think about it from the business's perspective. That's a really important point that things that you do under the, under the handle of accessibility actually help way more people than you think. Right. If I'm looking at a set of stairs, I have an ouchy knee. And if I'm looking at a set of stairs and I see the ramp, the walk up, I'm like around to the ramp. Mm-hmm. Right? Because why, why not? If I'm um, if I'm a mom with kids in a stroller, I am almost equal to in terms of need 
someone who's walking with a mobility device in the sense that I need a place to store it when I get into your restaurant. Like I'm going to take my kids out and then what, this is going to be in the aisle. Like, (laughs) you know, we, we moms with strollers need ramps, right? Moms with strollers need all kinds of things. And that's, that's one of the special things about friendly is that you can go in and select the things that you need in your profile that are important to you. So the things that are important to me are going to be very different than they are for you. Very different from a mom with kids, very different from someone in a power wheelchair. We don't need, and there's a lot of accommodations and amenities, right? I don't need to be running through the search world with the burden of every single thing that everyone else needs. So when you find a business in friendly, you can certainly see if it's been reviewed that it's friendly to wheelchair users in this way and friendly uh, to people of size in this way. But what's most important to me is, is it friendly to me? Right. So I've made these selections in my profile. Like I don't care about a step up, but I sure do care about, um, you know, do those booth tables move when you try to slide in. So I select the things that matter to me. And then when I'm looking for businesses, they're scored and ranked by like me, how like me they are. That is so cool. I love that feature. Me too. Me too. This sounds like a good time to remind you that Cherish Tours is planning a bunch of once-in-a-lifetime trips, including a Nordic getaway that includes three countries, a glamping trip to an out-of-the-way spot in Utah, and a safari in Tanzania. Cherished trips are designed for women of all ages and walks of life to have transformative adventures without the hassle of planning or traveling alone. One of the coolest parts about traveling with Cherish is that the excursions, the lodging, the meals are all arranged with local women in business. So you get an experience that is far more unique than a generic package tour. What I liked most of all was hanging with the other women on the trip. It was so gratifying to realize that we could have a blast together, despite the fact that we came from very different backgrounds and perspectives. So if you want to have an experience like this, it's very easy to get started. The trip deposit is $500 and Cherish Tours offers payment plans to help you save up. Visit Cherish Tours to get all of the details. And just for Top Floor listeners, you can use the promo code TOPFLOOR to get $100 off. That's GoCherishTours.com, promo code TOPFLOOR. Okay, back to the show. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from each and every episode of the program with some really specific practical, tangible tips they can try either in their businesses, their personal lives, when they travel. I'm curious if you've got suggestions for things that restaurants and hotels can do to be more ability and size inclusive that maybe aren't expensive or you know don't have anything to do with ADA or legality necessarily that are just like simple things that would make a big difference in addition to of course signing up for friendly like me yes of course that first um <laughs> so my advice is to look is to look around 
with that as your perspective. Um, think about if you were larger, would you be comfortable in that chair? Think about um, if you were in a wheelchair, would you be able to hand your credit card over to the person taking it when you check in? Look, because once you see, you don't unsee. So open your eyes, walk around, imagine yourself. What you're looking for when it comes to mobility, you're looking for barriers. Um, You know, you want the access routes to be clear, uh, for the pathways not to be filled with debris, um, for people to get to the main parts of the hotel in a comfortable way. Um, evaluate your restroom, right? Learn about learn about whether or not um, yours is accessible. Um, a family-style restroom is pretty accessible for everybody, so we like to encourage those. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. And, and everyone likes them, P.S., everyone. <laughs> it's another one of the spillover effects. Like I love to use the family restroom. Of course. And and everyone does. I mean, you think about, you know, you're in an airport and you get to the family style restroom and your bag comes in really easily. Right. Yes. Have a, this respite from the insanity around you. I mean, it works for everybody. Uh, people, people like them because they're gender neutral. People like them because they can bring their kids inside. People like them because um, for a wheelchair, someone using a wheelchair will very often have an attendant care worker with them that can easily fit inside, right? These are gender neutral bathrooms and family style bathrooms are one of the best things that you can do. Um, And when you're looking at being more size inclusive, this has a lot to do with seating. First of all, make sure it exists. Right. If you like a standing room only um, vibe in your rest in your restroom, it's going to be um, less likely to be comfortable for people of size. So include a few benches. Um, watch the temperature. Right. Keep the temperature cool. And if you're a hotel, you know, plan activities to be central. When you think about going to a big convention and how long it takes to get in between events, think about where the elevators are. Think about. Um, how long it takes to get from the elevator to where you're going, right? And then one more thing for hotels that I think is really important is when you see someone come to check in and you're going to assign the room and they seem like they might be mobility challenged for whatever reason, put them as close to the elevator as you can. You know, don't send them down the hall to the the furthest room away, even if the view is better. (laughs) Ask them if they'd like to be close to the elevator. What do you think about for bosses? Like, how do you suggest leaders within businesses do a better job of thinking about their disabled and plus size employees? I want to say, ask them, listen to them, speak one on one, really important. Do not call a group meeting on this issue, right? Speak one on one, ask if there are any access needs that they have. People will be pretty happy to volunteer them, I think, unless they're concerned that that's going to um, harm them in your eyes. So I think it's important to say straight up, I want to know this because I want you to be comfortable. Make it easy for them to talk about any issues that they're having, accessing the space, um, getting to the conference rooms. Don't criticize them. Do not try to tell them, yes, but if I I want you to have an incentive to lose weight, that's why I keep asking you to walk long distances. Don't say that. Yeah. (laughs) It's not really your business, boss. But you also don't know. You don't know why. You have no idea or insight into why someone is the way that they 
they are. Mm-hmm. What you're looking for is to make them, you know, you, you want their talent. You want their big brain working for you. So make sure that they have a chair that's comfortable. Make sure that meetings are accessible and keep, again, keep in mind distance between. Distance between is especially important. I think you can have those conversations, not can, should have those conversations, whether there is a visible accessibility issue or not, because there's also plenty of hidden or, you know, unseeable situations that people are in that they may need some accommodation for that you need to discuss with them in that same one-on-one setting. So that my point being, you also don't need to single people out. Have that conversation with everyone on your team, not just people who look to you like they may need accommodation. That's incredibly important from an HR perspective, right? As well as just from a human perspective, if you want to ask everyone, um, many disabilities, many are invisible. Right. We can start getting into um, neurodivergence. Um, You might not know that someone is hard of hearing. I mean, how many of us are? How many rock concerts did you go to? (laughs) Let me raise my hand. Uh. Right. I mean, I, I definitely I turn my, you know, closed captions on. Right. And you would never know that. Um, So what you may find from an employee in that conversation is that. Um, oh, you're using closed captions in meetings? We're going to make that the standard, right? Everyone can see those. Or you're, you're going to find things out that you did not expect. Um, you, you, may have, you may have put somebody's desk near um, a vent that rattles, and they may be neurodivergent, and they cannot think. Give them the opportunity to tell you stuff like that. You're going to be amazed at how not only thankful and grateful, um, and loyal, right? They'll, they are and will be, but also um, how much more productive and happy your team's going to feel when everyone's solid, everyone's got a good place to be. We have reached the fortune telling portion of our show. So now is when you are going to predict the future, maybe cast a spell or two, maybe wave your magic wand. And then we will come back later and see if you are right and score you on a scale of one to 10. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What is a prediction you have about the future of travel? Well, I have a dream, right? I have a dream that everyone will know before they go. And that because of that, more people will travel. My prediction is that more and more activities will become accessible. I don't know if you've seen Jeff Jenkins' new show on Nat Geo, Never Say Never, uh, but it's the first plus-size travel show, and it's amazing. But they have him in situations, rock climbing, um, you know, rafting, whitewater rafting, in, and these are things that plus-size people would not normally feel comfortable doing, and they've just made some accommodation. Right. They've got two or three harnesses holding him instead of one. They have um, they they've planned in advance and got him a wetsuit that will work and things like that. And I think and we're starting to see this in the travel industry that that travel agents are starting to plan accessible trips. So that's my dream and also my prediction. I think you're totally right. That sounds so amazing. And I'll link to that program in the show notes so that everyone can watch it. It sounds really interesting. 
If you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about the physical design of hotel guest rooms, what would it be? The first thing is showers, guys. First of all, I don't know who you think is going to get clean without a shower wand, but we need shower wands. And then also when you make an accessible room, um, do not build the shower seat into the wall six feet from the controls to control the temperature of the water. Yeah, that's a big one. Right? Right. So what very often happens is that, you know, someone books a room because they believe it's going to have a roll in shower um, and then gets in there and they finally get into the shower, transfer over to the seat. And now they're scalding or cold. (laughs) There's nothing they can do about it. So that's, that's a big one. Showers. If I had to choose one, I would say showers. But the second thing is beds. Um, People using mobility devices, particularly wheelchairs, need a specific transfer height to get into the bed. And that's also different depending on type of chair and type of person. And so in your accessible rooms, not saying do this everywhere, but in your accessible rooms, get beds that can rise and, and lower. Oh, wow. I would never have thought of that. That's such a good idea. And especially it's not you know, a huge inventory of guest rooms. I I can't remember what the official percentage is, but you could be, you would be able to do that in the accessible rooms. That's a message that I like to share really for all businesses too. And we can keep this to hotels by saying, and when you think about the restaurant, if you have a restaurant that is all booths and they're all bolted to the floor, you know, you don't have to change them all Two. Two, find two places where people can comfortably sit and where you can reconfigure the furniture and train the hostesses, train them to recognize and take people to the booths where they're going to be comfortable. I really want to make the point that you do not have to redesign everything to consider accessibility. What is next for you and what's next for your company? So what's next for Friendly goes back to one of the first questions that you asked me, which is... We are on a campaign to teach business that our conversation is not about compliance, that it's about welcoming people. So we are out there constantly trying to to get businesses to claim and to learn about why their honesty is so friendly and so helpful. Um, In terms of what's next for me, um, we are, we're growing Uh, We're growing very quickly, Um, month over month, more and more users are joining the app. And so what's next for me is to try to figure out how to keep them and how to provide value, right? To get more and more value um, into the app so that it becomes something that you really just can't do without. I love that. Okay, folks, before we tell Elisha goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Okay, what's a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? (laughs) I suppose it relates to being unqualified for my first job and what happened right after that. Are are you familiar with the weather condition El Nino? Yes, I think we're having it right now, aren't we? I don't know. You know, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I I definitely knew in 1996. 
because it never stopped raining, right? We're this is the Bay Area and Mountain View at the time, and it's raining and raining. The story begins with the rain and the rain and the rain, and I'm sitting in my office and uh, I look over into the data center and the roof has caved in. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> the roof has caved in. And there is a a river of water flowing down into the finance system, which used to be this, it was an HP 9000. And these things are like the size of of a refrigerator. Oh my God. And the water is just pouring in and, um, and it's spreading throughout the data center. And I run out into the hallway and I'm like, help. (laughs) (laughs) And here comes this janitor. And I noticed he may have been outside or something, but he had like some hedge trimmers with him and he's coming towards the data center with them. And I'm thinking, Oh no. Oh no. And sure enough, he comes in and he's looking for a cord to cut. What? Yes. Yes. He's looking for a cord to cut. And I'm like yelling, right? Because there's puddles of water everywhere. And here he comes in with these metal hedge trimmers. Oh my God. What kind of shoes he was wearing. And just, I thank whoever there is to thank that this guy didn't know the difference between a power cord and an ethernet cable. <gasps> he, took those, he took those shears right up to the red ethernet cable and chopped it. You are before kidding I could me. Get him to stop. So I... I mean, data centers back in the day, okay, these were, um, I'm showing my age here, but the UPS systems were an entire wall. The reel-to-reel tape, you know, the manufacturing system took up the whole room. And they had these old power switches that looked like those Frankenstein ones, you know? <laughs> yes. very- like a mousetrap, kind of, like, pam And you go up to it, and you Oh my God. Got the power. So this guy was so afraid he was going to die, but this is what I did, right? Bring the power down. Everything is, you know, down to nothing. And I'm standing around looking and I'm looking. And then as I'm standing there, the UPS systems caught on fire. What? How did they catch on fire? Some kind of electrical, you know, system. Oh, yeah. No big deal. It's just El Nino. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't very much, you know, too long after that. I'm kind of standing there in shock and sitting there in shock. And the CEO walks in and says, I heard we're down. How long until we're back up? (laughs) And I asked him to assemble, uh, you know, the leadership team in a conference room. (laughs) And... I'm 26 years old at this time. And I walk into this to this room full of people who all of their chip designs are on systems that were in that room. The entire financial system, of course, as you know, was underwater. And they were all asking me when and how long. And I said, um, I think we need to start from a place where you know that you may never be back online. <laughs> They didn't fire you on the spot, like, get out of our face. You know, it could have been. But in fact, it's one of those things like, you know, actually being courageous enough to tell the truth in a situation like that is ultimately what turned me into a manager. I no longer after that day. And of course, you know, too long to tell here, but we got the stuff back online. There were hair dryers involved. Oh 
that all of the chip designs were on what you would not believe was actually called an optical carousel server, which basically means like disks, like what you think of as an optical disk drive rotating in circles inside of a server. I was just terrified that all of the R&D would never come back <laughs> ever because um, you expose something like that to heat, you know, from the fire. But anyway, uh, what ended up happening is that after that day, after that week, when we brought everybody back up, I was not responsible for programming an HR system anymore. I was, you know, responsible for the whole team. And that's my story of how I became a manager. And never let a guy with hedge covers into your data center <laughs> is the moral of the story. Oh, my God. Alicia Burns, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited about this app that you've built. I hope it's a huge success. And I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you so much. It was so fun to be here. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 101. Top Floor is produced by Don Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 